ladies, it's Brittany Brazel. The Lord has given me a passion for motherhood and homemaking. From that passion, a ministry has birthed no higher calling. There is no higher calling on my life than to be wife to Simeon and mama to my littles. I still have so much to learn, but as I continue to grow, it is my desire to share the truths God is teaching me. Ladies, welcome to another episode of the No Higher Calling podcast. Before we jump into the content for today's episode, I just wanted to mention a couple No Higher Calling things just to make sure that you are getting all that you want to receive out of No Higher Calling. Just a couple things to make you aware of to make sure that you get the full impact of what it is that God is doing in my life and as he works in me an extension into this outlet. Um, so a couple things really quickly. I have a weekly email that goes out every Thursday um, in that I talk about the podcast episode with all the resources. If I share anything in there, links, things like that, um, I share what I'm reading. And I give a review of a book that I've read with the link there. Um, I share just a little word from my heart, some encouragement that God has shown me from his word. Um, and then I just give a little glimpse into our home. So that could be anything from a new recipe that we've loved to family news or what we're doing in homeschool. It's just like it. It can be anything. It's it's my catch-all. Like, if I have something I want to share, that's where it goes. Um, but I've gotten some great feedback that that email has been an encouragement, has been helpful to kind of have a place to find all those resources. So if you are not subscribed, you can do that on my website, which is nohighercalling.org. Uh, scroll to the bottom of that first welcome page, and you'll see a little place where you can subscribe to the weekly email. Also, you can follow me on social media. I am on Facebook. Um, I have a Facebook page, No Higher Calling. You can find me on Instagram at No Higher Calling underscore. Um, I'm really most active on Instagram, so do a lot of stuff there. Um, recently been doing some giveaways, some different things. I have a lot of news and resources and things rolling out over the next few weeks. So if you want to be up to date, Subscribe to that email and follow me on social media. Those are going to be the two best things for you to keep up with all that is happening from No Higher Calling because I don't like to take a lot of time in these podcast episodes to give a rundown of everything that's coming and all of that because it's it's just a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. A lot of exciting things are happening, are in the works, are around the corner. So I'm just praying that it will be a blessing. And I have been so excited. Really, it's just, it continues to amaze me and really to blow my mind what God is doing through No Higher Calling, through this podcast, and through an absolutely weak vessel such as myself. Um, but I'm just so humbled and so thankful that... God has given me this assignment and that he has his hand on it because this is nothing that I could accomplish in and of myself. Um, between the Lord, first and foremost, and my wonderful husband, you get all of the extension that no higher calling encompasses. Um, 
but just really the Lord has just grown it. We are in year two now. Um, I've been trying to highlight some episodes from last year on my social media. I know that a lot of people are just jumping in, so I'm trying to pull out some really good ones that you want to go back and listen to. Um, so social media, keep up with me there. I It is such a help to me when you share about No Higher Calling on social media. Um, Really, word of mouth is kind of how the Lord is choosing to grow this podcast. So if it's a blessing to you, share it with a mama friend. Um, Share it on your social media and just allow the truth of God's word to have the impact that he desires. So that is a blessing to me. When you share your favorite episodes, when you share something that, you know, that really just ministered to your heart, um, that is a blessing and an encouragement to me. It also gives me feedback to let me know, hey, they liked this topic or they liked this episode. I've said before, feel free to engage with me. Send me DMs. Send me emails. Um, My email is no higher calling podcast at gmail.com. I love to interact with you ladies. Um, i try to make sure that I respond to everyone. Um, might not always be the day that you message me, but I try really hard to make sure that I I reply. So just interact with me, engage with me, check out my website. I have some free printable resources on the website. We um, have a No Higher Calling store now. So that is kind of in the process of having more and more things added to it. Really over the next couple months, you'll see some absolutely amazing stuff going up there. I'm so excited. I've been working super, super hard, staying up way too late, but good things are coming. Um, but right now we have a No Higher Calling mug. It is beautiful. Um, and then I recently put together a hospitality guide. So that is a digital download and it's, it's really, it's awesome. I was so excited to put that together. It's just things that the Lord has taught me as we have tried to have really a consistent hospitality night in our home, things that I've gleaned from so many other ladies, things that I've learned from books, just kind of a compilation on the first half really looks at different aspects of hospitality Hospitality as a ministry. Um, you know, how to get your family involved, how to get your kids involved at different age levels. What are some tasks that you can assign them to help them be a part of that. Um, some things to think through as you're trying to minister through hospitality. How can you keep that as a ministry, as something focused on Christ? Um, what if you have unsaved people over? I've had a lot of people ask me that. Like, how does the dynamic change? How can we use this as an opportunity to introduce them to Christ? So I give some ideas there. Um, some ideas on how to prepare the day of, a couple hours before company comes, preparing your heart and your home. And then I transitioned the second half of that hospitality guide has six complete meal plans, recipes included. These are my go-to when we're having company over. I just pull out one of these six meals and they're tried and true recipes. We love them. Other people have loved them. Some of the recipes I've gleaned from some friends that they've allowed me to share. Um, So those meals are absolutely delicious and most of them are pretty easy, straightforward, simple. It's not going to you're not going to have to slave away all day in the kitchen to get that out. But it is a nice meal that you would want to serve. And then there's four desserts at the end that you can just mix and match in. But um, so, yeah, so check out the website, interact with me, follow me on social media, share all about No Higher Calling, and pray for me. I, I would appreciate your prayers so much. 
I pray for my listeners. I pray a lot over this podcast and over all of the extensions now, the doors that God is opening for me to have, whether it be resources or social media or different things. Um, And as you give me specific prayer requests, I love nothing more than to pray for those specifically. But I don't know all of you face to face. I wish I could. I wish we could just sit down with a cup of tea and get to know one another. Um, But just... It's not going to happen. So as much as I can get to know you through the different outlets, I love to. Um, But you get to know me kind of intimately as I share our life and our family and different things. So if the Lord impresses upon your heart to pray for me, to pray for um, the podcast, to pray for No Higher Calling, just the ministry in general, um, that would be such a blessing to me to have your prayers because I need them. I need wisdom and discernment from the Lord as I just seek to follow all that he has for me in my No Higher Calling. So without further ado, let's jump into today's podcast episode. So I'm going to try to keep this short and concise, I feel like I could probably just gush about this <laughs> forever. Um, but we have recently, the kids and I, our read aloud that we have been going through really since the beginning of the year is The Little Pilgrim's Progress um, by Helen Taylor. I will link that in the show notes. So I don't know if you're familiar with the book Pilgrim's Progress. I believe I was talking to my husband and I'm pretty sure he said that it is the second best-selling book in the history of man, like only second to the Bible. The Bible's the first best-selling book, and then Pilgrim's Progress is the second best-selling book. So this was written several hundred years ago by John Bunyan. Um, He was a preacher in England, wouldn't conform to um, the King of England's desires for religion and for the church. He believed the Bible and wanted to preach the Bible as God had revealed it to him. And so he was thrown in prison. While he was in prison, the Lord put this story, this allegory on his heart to write, and he penned Pilgrim's Progress. And it has been like a classic of Christian literature and of literature in general, like I said, for hundreds of years. Um, And it was always something like, okay, down the road, this is something that I want to introduce to my children. Um, But the way it's written, Old English, uh, it just wasn't something that I was going to, you know, it's not like a book that my five and three-year-old are going to be like, yay, let's get this. So Pilgrim's Progress was kind of an in-the-future book. Then somebody introduced me to The Little Pilgrim's Progress. So this is a rendition of Pilgrim's Progress that has been written for younger children. The illustrations are beautiful. It is a big book. Like, I think it has, between kind of like the part one and part two, Oh goodness, there's like almost a hundred chapters. Now the chapters are only a few pages long, but it it's a book. Like it took us a month and a half to get through this book. Um, but it is written in a way that captures the full intention of Bunyan's story, but words it in a way that is very easily understandable for children. Um, it uses animals instead of people. So my kids were able to connect with that a little bit better. But I, I, we have learned so much through reading this book, Little Pilgrim's Progress. And I've gushed about it to a couple of my friends. And they're like, you need to do a podcast episode on this because several of us are reading this. And they're like, we're getting all of this out of it, but we want to hear what you're getting out of it. So here's the episode sharing 
not all, but a few of the highlights of what we have learned from Pilgrim's Progress. So the story, let me just kind of give you a brief overview, is about, so I'm going to tell you Little Pilgrim's Progress version, okay? So it's about a little rabbit named Christian, and his mother has died um, his father is kind of a high up leader in the city of destruction. That's where he lives. And the city of destruction is ruled by the wicked prince. Now this is an allegory. So all of it pictures something biblical. So the wicked prince would be representative of Satan. Um, so these, these travelers, these pilgrims are coming through the city of destruction saying, Hey, destruction is coming. Fire is coming. This city is going to be destroyed. This is the truth that we have received from the king. And from the king, he lives in the celestial city. He loves us. He sent his son, the good prince, to die for you. And he want he wants you to be his child. He wants you to take this pilgrimage and to come and be with him in the celestial city. So really the story is the journey of the Christian life. Well, little Christian hears this message and is so overcome by the burden that he carries. He doesn't understand, but that burden is the burden of sin. Um, he tells some of his friends, they just scoff at him. His father is just too distracted by his position and um, really just by the, the favor that he has with the wicked prince. He's not interested in it. So on his own, little Christian packs his bag and sets off through the narrow gate and begins his journey. His journey takes him to the cross. Pretty soon in the journey, he's got this heavy burden on his back. He can barely make this pilgrimage, but he comes to the cross. And when he comes to the foot of the cross, I'm, I'm going to cry. I'm probably going to cry. I cried so much through this book, and my kids are like, what's wrong, Mom? And I was like, it's just amazing what the Lord has done for us anyway. Bear with me, ladies. I'm pregnant and emotional. <laughs> but so he comes to the foot of the cross. And as he comes to the foot of the cross and he realizes what the good prince did for him, his burden falls off and rolls down the hill. And he receives these robes of white, these shining robes. Um, you know, his his dirty, torn, tattered clothes are replaced with, with white, shining clothes gifted to him from the king. And really kind of it's from there that his journey starts. Now his journey is going to have highs. It's going to have lows. It's going to have moments where Christian makes foolish decisions, where Christian meets all kinds of different characters that influence him positively and that influence him negatively, ultimately leading up to the culmination of Christian reaching the celestial city. And um, then kind of the part two is the story of Christiana. So she was a friend of Christian's. In Bunyan's, she's actually his wife. But anyway, we're doing the little Pilgrim's Progress version. So Christiana was a friend, and she begins her pilgrimage. So it kind of has like a part one, part two, Christian's journey to the celestial city, and then Christiana's journey to the celestial city. Um, but I'm really going to focus in more so on that first part, the Christian's journey um, to the celestial city. But anyway, it's just been amazing to me as I've been reading through this with my kids and we have all been so captivated by the story. I don't think I've ever read them something that has so captured kind of all of our hearts and minds like this book has. I mean, every day, mommy, can we please read Pilgrim's Progress? And of course we can. I've been dying to find out what happens. You know, so we all climb on the couch and, okay, we're just going to read two chapters because we got to get to lunch. Well, we get to two chapters and they're like, one more. 
while one more becomes like three or four or five more. Um, but it's just been such an powerful story. It has given me a framework of conversation with my kids. And that's one of the things that I have loved so much to present some really deep ideas to them, um, to even talk more about the gospel, to talk about the Christian life. It's presented it through story, um, through great illustration. And and I'm going to give some of those. You'll see in just a little bit. But, you know, when we're talking about the power of friends and choosing the right friends, I can say, hey, you remember when little Christian met so-and-so? That friend encouraged him and helped him in the way of the king. But when they met folly or vainglory, look what happened when he listened and became companions with people that had that kind of character. But it's laid this framework that I could really springboard into so many powerful discussions with my children. And it, it's been a story that's just so captivated our home that some of our language has kind of become Pilgrim's Progressy. You know, we, you know, the other day, I think Knox did something bad and he was like I'm sorry mommy I you know that was the way of the wicked prince and not the way of the king and now I don't want to take anything away from the bible and bible language and using scripture obviously a story would never trump scripture but at this very little young stage it's given a really good foundation to kind of link those two together um, in their hearts and minds And then it's also been neat to see how it's kind of crept into their imaginative play. So my kids love dress up. They are, they play dress up from like sun up till sundown. And Knox is obsessed with being like a knight and a soldier. And he will have like 10 weapons hanging out of his little boxers. He stuffs them in the side and that's how he carries them around. Um, But it's been neat to see not only is he just playing a soldier or, you know, a knight, but he's been little Christian. And the other night he came into my room and he had this like big thing on his back and he said, Mama, this is my burden. I'm just trying to get to the cross. If I can get to the cross, then I know that my burden will roll away and and I'm going to follow in the way of the king and I'm going to be a soldier for his army and we're going to fight that wicked prince. But it was just so sweet to see how the Lord's just used this story to kind of give opportunity to really direct our hearts towards Christ, towards the gospel, towards the the journey of the Christian life. So let's just jump into a few lessons that we've learned from Pilgrim's Progress and how I have incorporated that, how I've used that, like I said, as that foundation, as that framework for springboarding into other conversations. So I already kind of mentioned this one, but let me go deeper. Really choosing friends wisely. That has been a great conversation that we've been able to have following through Christian's journey. Christian really had two companions that were very strong, um, strong of character, strong of determination to follow in the way of the king, to follow God's way. The first one was faithful, and the second one was hopeful. Now, throughout their journey, Christian would encounter many people who wanted to be his friend or wanted to have his ear or wanted to influence him or wanted to walk with him for a while. And at the beginning of the journey, Christian did not quite have the discernment to recognize when they were a, when they were a character who truly loved the king 
or maybe they didn't love the king at all, or a lot of time you would encounter characters that pretended like, oh, I'm a pilgrim too. I love the king. Yeah, I want to go to this celestial city. But the more he would talk to them, like there was one friend, and I can't remember what his name was, but they made a very they made it very clear that in order to be accepted in the celestial city, you had to enter this pilgrimage at the narrow gate because the narrow gate is what passed you by the cross. Um, but he encountered this one friend and he was just like, you know what? I live, you know, miles away from the narrow gate. I'm further into this pilgrimage along this pathway. So I just jumped, you know, I, I left my city and jumped in right here. Why would I want to go back to the narrow gate? And Christian was, you know, trying to talk to him like, this is what my scroll says. My, the message from the king says you have to go his way. You have to enter through the narrow gate. Um, and you, so that gave us opportunity to talk about, okay, listen, this friend is trying to influence Christian and is trying to make Christian feel ridiculous, really, for starting at the beginning. Um, but we, we talked about how there's only one way to heaven. And that even led into, you know, there's other religions, there's other philosophies that think that whatever way you want to get to heaven is fine. You you, the whole you do you thing, you know, this religion says this, that religion says that. And, you know, as long as your heart is pure, then you can get to heaven. However you think is the way. Um, but the Bible says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh to the father, but by me. So really emphasizing there is only one way into heaven. There's one way into the celestial city. And that is through the narrow gate. You have to go through the cross. You have to go through salvation. So that's kind of one aspect of the friendship thing that, again, springboarded into a whole different conversation. Um, but there was another time where hopeful. So they are traveling through this enchanted ground. And they had already been warned that this land that the wicked prince had done something to make you very tired. But that if you fell asleep, that the wicked prince's servants would come and take you away and lock you up and you would never be able to go to the celestial city. So they were warned, do not fall asleep in the enchanted ground. Now at this point, it's later in the journey for Christian. He has learned a lot. He has grown a lot. He has gained discernment. Whereas his friend Helpful, it, Helpful was just kind of getting started. So they enter this enchanted ground and Hopeful just cannot control himself. He is about to fall asleep. And Christian keeps on Hopeful, come on. Hopeful, come on. Hopeful, don't fall asleep. Come on. And finally it gets to the point where Hopeful is so drowsy that Christian literally shakes him. Hopeful, Hopeful, come on. We must follow the way of the king. We must keep going. And that action of grabbing him and shaking him alerts hopeful enough to where hopeful realizes I almost I almost lost the whole pilgrimage I almost fell into this temptation and ruined my journey so they make it out of the enchanted ground but that was a great opportunity for me to talk to the kids and be like what would have happened with hopeful if he would not have had a companion like Christian well, they said he would have fallen asleep. What would have happened if happened if he had fallen asleep? Well, the wicked prince's 
soldiers would have come and taken him and he would have never made it to the celestial city. So we were able to talk about, you know, first of all, the importance of how God created us for friendship. It is important to have godly friends in your life. And through this story, we were able to see the impact that a godly friend can have for the positive to keep you following in the way of the king, to remind you of his promises and of his word and of the dangers of not following him. You know, then we were able to kind of look at it from another angle and be like, what if Christian hadn't warned hopeful? What if Christian hadn't been strong in his faith? What if he had been weak? What if they both had fallen asleep? But you know, by this time we see someone who has journeyed and who has learned a lot about the king. And then we see this new one coming alongside. And the one that has walked this path of sanctification is able to bring this new one along in some areas where they had not yet been tested and tried. So we got to talk about the importance of of having maybe an older, more mature friend. Um, you know, kind of that Titus 2 model. We've been talking about that on the podcast. But just talking through just this power that friends can have for the good and for the bad. You know, another thing that we really were able to talk a lot about is this walking in the way of the king. So as he's going through this pilgrimage, the path is literally called the way of the king. Um, And, you know, it was just, it was very important for them to stay on this path, even if it got dark, even if there were snares, even if there appeared to be danger, they needed to stay on it. You know, they came to one point where there were these, I believe it was wolves in the book. So there were these wolves on either side of the path. And a little while back, you know, Christian's looking, he's heard the wolves, he saw the wolves, and he was terrified because he said, my path goes directly in between the two wolves. Um, But he knew, he said, I've got to stay on the way of the king. I'm going to trust the king. And as he got to the wolves, he realized they were chained and their chains would not let them get in the center of that path. So as long as Christian stayed in in the narrow way, as long as he stayed in the way of the king, he would be safe. Though these wolves were snarling right on either side, he would be safe. And he was, he traveled through. But we were able to talk about that, how Satan's going to try to distract you. He's going to try to cause fear. He's going to try to cause doubt, do anything he can to make you retreat, to make you turn around and give up. But when you follow the Lord, no matter what is surrounding you, no matter what circumstances you have to walk through, he goes with you and he will protect you. He is our safety. He is our security. There was another time where they were walking in the path and there the path got kind of rocky and bumpy and there was a fence, a little picket fence on the side and then lush green fields. So Christian, had this idea we're just we're gonna walk on the opposite side of the fence parallel to the way of the king but we're gonna walk in these lush fields instead of this bumpy rocky way of the king so uh, i i think it was hopeful was his companion at the time hopeful was a little bit hesitant but here we go back to the friendship christian was like no we're gonna do this i think this is the best way so hopeful followed and they were walking and it was fine for a while then it started getting dark and they wound up losing their way, which led them far from the way of the king into this field, into actually the land of giant despair. Giant despair winds up capturing them, throwing him or throwing them into Doubting Castle, and so many difficulties ensued from their time there. Um really they it was just by the mercy of the king 
that he reminded them of something that they had all along to unlock Doubting Castle and to free them from that imprisonment and bondage. And you betcha, as soon as they got out of Doubting Castle, they hightailed it back and got on the way of the king. And no longer was it rocky and bumpy to them. They were thankful to be on that path. And Christian actually set a stone, a warning there, that's to remind future travelers, stay on this path. Do not go into the land of giant despair. And that stone was a marker that when Christiana came on her journey, she saw that and they were not they were not tempted to leave the path and to go because they had been warned of what was on the other side but that was important I could just talk to my kids about you know hey Satan loves to give a counterfeit to everything that God has and sometimes God's way might not make sense it might not seem like the easiest or the most comfortable and then Satan's over there like look I want to give you this I want to let your life be fun and glamorous and God says that you know God says this sin brings condemnation and judgment but I say it brings all the pleasures that the world has to offer well yeah their feet enjoyed the grass for a little while, but it led them almost to the point of destruction. So we were able to talk this through and me just challenge them, you know, kids, whatever you're going to face in your life, walk the way of the king, stay in the way of the king. And you know, some of this as I'm, as I'm reading and as I'm teaching and as I'm just leaning into these messages, I don't, they, I think they really grasped a lot of it. But a lot of it was laying a foundation for the future. I hope that these little things will come trigger back into their mind. Oh, I need to remember, no matter what circumstances, that I'm going to follow the Lord, that I'm going to walk in His way. You know, I'm not going to be distracted. And so much of it laid the framework for that. You know, even in Christian and his mom dying early, it, it, there was a portion of the beginning of the story where it was only picture, so it kind of told the story through picture, and at that it was showing Christian and his mom so happy together, and then his mom was became ill, and then she wound up dying, and so she is in the celestial city, um, so Christian loves her and thinks of her a lot, but is losing his memories of her, but they're reunited at the end um, in the celestial city, and they start praying for his father, and I'm not going to give this spoiler anyway, um, but you know, Eden made the comment to me, you know, mommy, I hope that you never die, and this was a harder one of the conversations that we had, um, but I just, you know, I just used the opportunity, and I was like, you know, honey, I would love nothing more than for the Lord to come back and for us to never have to be separated on earth or in heaven. You know, she's not saved yet. None of my children have made a profession of faith. So, you know, I told her, I was like, Daddy and I are praying that you guys will come to know the Lord as your Savior and that we can spend our time on earth together and our time in heaven together. But, you know, I told her, I said, there might come a time where mommy's not on the earth or that maybe even there's a time where heaven forbid for whatever reason that we would be separated or that we wouldn't be together. And, and I didn't, I didn't go into detail, but at the same time, I'm reading this voice of the martyrs book, hearts of fire about these mothers who were separated from their children because of their faith in Christ and the resolve that not only the mothers had, but these young children had the faith that these little nine, ten-year-olds looking at their mothers and saying, don't worry about us, we won't tonight, Jesus. Anyway, so all that's going in my mind, I'm not telling all of that to my five-year-old, but all of that's going in my mind as I'm talking to her, and as I just say, hey, it might be in God's perfect plan that mommy dies before 
Jesus comes back. Or there might be a circumstance in which we would not be together like mommy would want. But I want, I told her, I said, mommy, and I told Knox, and Ivy was there too. I don't know how much she was getting, but I told him, I said, there's two things that mommy wants you to always know, no matter if we're together or if we're separated or if mommy's already in heaven, I want you to know how much I love you. Don't ever forget how much your mama loves you. And the second thing was, I said, I always, you know, we're just using the language of the story we're immersed in. I said, I always want you guys to choose the way of the king. Mommy is going to pray every day that you choose the way of the king, that you love the king, that you come to understand how much the king loves you. And no matter what the world or circumstances or sorrow or whatever, no matter what storms the world throws at you, no matter what distractions, no matter what enemies, no matter what Satan sends against you, that you will remember to follow in the way of the king. And so that that was that was another conversation that we had. And just the remembrance that you don't walk alone. You know, you you might feel like you're alone, but you're never alone. You know, throughout the story, there was just time after time where the king wasn't physically present with Christian or with other pilgrims, but you could see his hand at work. When they called out to him, he made a way of deliverance. When they needed him most, he, he delivered what they needed in that moment. And I think that was that was just so precious as we learned about that. You know, another thing was to heed wise counsel. So there's a point in the story where Christian and Hopeful come to this group of shepherds. They spend several days resting with these shepherds. And these shepherds are servants of the king. And so the shepherds show them different things. And when they leave, the shepherds tell them, you're about to go through some very dangerous areas. But we're going to give you a map. And as long as you follow the map, you will be okay. And this connects all the way back to the walking in the way of the king. But Christian gets the map, stuffs it in his shirt. They go walking. They come to a fork in the road. And they forget about the map. And so they just make a choice. Well, it actually leaves them winding up being trapped. I mean, they, they the king intervened, right? Almost at the, you know, at the last second before they were going to be taken by the wicked prince's soldiers. But we were able to talk about that. Heed wise counsel. God gives us his word. God gives us a pastor that faithfully teaches his word. God gives us Sunday school teachers and mommy and daddy and, you know, different people that are trying to influence and trying to teach you truth. It is important to listen to their truth. They're not just wasting their breath. They're not just, you know, just all same old, same old all the time in the way of the king. No, we are teaching you this because we've been further down the road and we know, hey, there is a path that leads to destruction. Stay on this path. Heed that wise counsel. And that leads into another really overarching thing that we talked a lot about was wisdom versus foolishness. Um, So many times, you know, in just different decisions that the characters would make through the story, we were able to talk about it and analyze it in this wisdom versus foolishness. Um, In our home, we've spent quite a bit of time. We did kind of an in-depth Bible study with the kids last year, really teaching them the difference between those two things. And how to identify them. So that terminology is not really new to them. We've studied a lot through that, through the book of Proverbs. 
So as we, you know, Christian got off the way and this happened, or Christian made the right choice, or Christian, you know, brought the right companion into his life, or Christian rejected the wrong companion, um, we were able to look at, like, okay, was that a wise choice or was that a foolish choice? But again, it laid that framework to have a perfect opportunity through just this story, through so many different twists and turns and characters and personalities and just different things that the story gave opportunity to introduce into our thoughts, we were able to separate and analyze this was wise, this was foolish. Why was that wise? And every time he made a wise choice, it was always because he made a choice that was based on something he knew about the king, a message from the king. It was always rooted in his relationship with the king. And when he made a foolish choice, it was because he either rejected or neglected or forgot the way of the king. And so that was another conversation that we were just able to really lean into and to help them think through things, think through that wisdom versus foolishness, my way versus God's way, the importance of choosing God's way and the outcomes that ensue when you choose God's way or when you choose your own way. And I'll wrap it up with this last one. You know, the story ends with... Christian making it to the celestial city. Um, But even as it goes into Christiana's, even as Christiana ends, it is still in this time that we are currently in where the king is getting his messages to wayward pilgrims, drawing them in, wooing their hearts, hoping that they will begin this pilgrimage to the celestial city. Um, You know, but that kind of, Eden asked the question, well, you know, what's going to happen? What, what happens at the end end? Like, what happens to the wicked prince? And, um, you know, what what happens to these cities? You know, they, it's prophesied that they're going to be destroyed by fire. And so that gave us a springboard into really talking through some of Revelation about, you know, at the this is what happens at the end. You know, yes, the wicked prince. Yes, Satan has rule over this earth for a time. Um but that's all going to end. God is the ruler of all. And there's going to be a time where Satan's going to be put in his place. And that is the lake of fire. You know, we talked about, um, you know, so in this little Pilgrim's Progress, there's a lot of soldier, sword, fighting, enemy, that kind of language. Um, So I told them, you know, how the Lord is going to come back in his second coming. All of those who are his, who have made that profession of faith, will be caught up with him. Then we have the tribulation period on earth. And at the end of that, the culmination of that is this battle of Armageddon. And they were like, ooh, battle. And so I, I was able to teach them. I said, yeah. I said, the Bible says that Satan and his army are going to be on one side and God and his army is on the other side. And I was like, do you know who his army will be? No, who's God's soldiers? I was like, it's going to be us. That's going to be those who have trusted in him as their savior. I said, we're going to be there ready for battle. I was like, but do you know the most amazing thing about this battle? You know, they're all like, eyes wide, what? I said, we're not even going to fight. God is merely going to speak a word and, and it's over. Satan and his entire force is going to be destroyed and thrown in into hell and and God reigns victorious and we reign victorious with him and and so it was just we never had really talked about end times and kind of what that looks like and they were just enamored like oh my um but 
I, I hope this just gives a glimpse. Again, I could just, I could go on and on of all these different things, and, and I do apologize for getting emotional on some of this, but it is just so captivated our our hearts and our interest as we've been just mining all of the truth out of this book. And, and why is this such a special book? I think it's just because that so much of it is rooted directly in the truth of Scripture, and that's how John Bunyan wanted it. Um you know, even in the allegory, okay, Satan, you know, we don't call him the wicked prince, but but we see that picture. And it just gave such opportunity for rich conversations um, for me to really see my children's wheels turning, whether it was as we were reading or as we were discussing or as we were telling daddy what happened in the story or as they're playing and I'm listening in to their conversations. So I obviously... I highly recommend this book. Um, Knox understood it. He's three and a half. Not quite to the degree that Eden did. Um, but he, he's hes just, I said, he's, he's my little soldier boy. So he got very, he loved that part of it. Um, but I don't know that any younger than that would probably pick up on much of it. And it, it is a long story. So it takes you know, a long time to get through this whole book. Um, but definitely like I wouldn't stop at a five-year-old. You can go even up through elementary. I mean, really an older kid would enjoy it. It is a phenomenal story, but maybe as they're getting more like middle school, high school, I will kind of switch over. And I will say really quick. So we do have an audio drama production of the real Pilgrim's Progress and Eden's actually listening to it. So she loves listening to audiobooks. Um, had we not read Little Pilgrim's Progress, I don't think she would have been able to really capture the story of the actual Pilgrim's Progress. But having laid this foundation and her knowing the story, she's not catching all of the pieces just due to some of the language. Like they say that they had a discourse all the time when we had to talk about like what discourse means. Um, but she is getting enough of it that she wants to keep listening to the CD because she knows that story. So anyway, I really think like from preschool to elementary, that's the best age group for this book. But it is beautiful. I have said the illustrations are beautiful. It's a hardback. It is like something. It is a collector thing. You you want this on your bookshelf. Um, but this is lessons that we have learned from Little Pilgrim's Progress. So I hope that you will pick up the book and just see how the Lord gives opportunity to present his truth to your little ones. So I will link this book in the show notes where you can get it. Um, it's on Amazon, but I'll link it there so that it's easy to find. And I look forward to joining you ladies next week. I hope that this episode has brought much glory to Christ, encouraged your heart, and strengthened you to be the wife and mother that God has created you to be. Thanks for listening.